0: take your Bibles tonight and turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Brother Lieb there, he uh, um, he's quite the character. If you haven't heard much about Brother Lieb, his his wife was Born and raised over there on the mission field, and she had no clue about you know uh, the U.S. and 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 how you know there were certain slang words and certain uh, mannerisms and stuff like that. And so, um, if she ever, if they ever come by, go ahead and have a good laugh and ask them exactly uh, some of the stories they have when they, she first came over here. And uh, she, she actually ended up saying some cuss words. She thought they are just normal words, and she's just saying them casually in conversation with church people. And uh, <laughs> uh, needless to say, it was a, a quite a funny thing. It was embarrassing for her, but for us on the outside, it was a lot of fun uh, to watch. <coughs> but uh, they were in school now when I was in school, and so it's a blessing to see them be over on the mission field for so long. Um, the Lord's definitely using them over there. But uh, here in John chapter number 11... Pray for me, hopefully my voice holds out uh, for this, but uh, John chapter number 11, we'll look in the first six verses here. The Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary which anointed the Lord with the ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, uh, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Heavenly Father, again we want to thank you, Lord, for letting us come to church tonight. Father, I pray that all have come out here tonight, Lord, you give them something from your book Father, we ask, Lord, as we uh, made it halfway through our work week, Lord, even with the holiday uh, in there, uh, Lord, Monday just came a day later, I'm sure. And I pray, Father, that you give them something here tonight, Lord, that they came. Uh, Lord, that, uh, Lord, get us through till Sunday. Lord, we thank you, Lord, again for a place to come to, a book to open, and a reason to sing and a reason to preach. And, Father, we ask tonight that, Lord, you'd uh, wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to say nothing that would be harmful or hurtful, Father, but only that would be helpful Uh, through the truth of the word of God we love you we ask you to bless this time now in Jesus name amen you may be seated an interesting an interesting way that the Lord deals with the situation here in Matthew chapter number 11 Uh, but I want to I want to start out just by simply saying that the relationship that Jesus Christ had with these people in the moment of their sorrow was it was real the relationship that Jesus Christ had with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, was it was a deep relationship. They, he, he had spent time with them in their home. Uh, obviously, this is uh, alluding to the fact that uh, Mary had, uh, had, had washed his feet with her tears and dried them with, with her hair. She had sacrificed and humbled herself at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible clearly states that Jesus loved these people. And he loved them, and, and he hears this news that Lazarus is sick. And, I mean, he had a past with these people. I mean, you think about it, he had a, a string of memories. You know, that's, that's what kind of, that's what forms those bonds with folks, right? It's the, it's the chain of memories that you look past in the, in, in the annals of time, and you say, man, we went through that together, and we experienced that together, and we saw that together, and we had this, you know, and, and it's those memories that make those bonds tight. And he had those with these people. And, uh, and it was a personal relationship that he had um, with, with them. And not only that, but I want you to take note of his reaction in verse 4. In verse 4, he says, When Jesus heard, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. When I, when I look at the way he responds to the news, I can't help. But think of how different we respond when we hear similar news. Does that make sense? If you have somebody that you really care about and you have somebody, you know, that you have memories with and, and there's somebody that you truly love and, and it maybe it's a family member or a close friend or, or something like that, you hear news like that and we don't typically respond that way right we have our own set of emotions that we go through and, and, and sometimes you know our reactions can vary but i tell you jesus christ his his reaction was more spiritual than it was emotional is that fair to say It was more spiritual than it was emotional. Now I'm not one of these guys that thinks that you should be void of emotion. I'm not void of emotion. Ask my wife. I'm 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 probably uh, more of a crier than I'd like to uh, lead on. Ask anybody that's known me for any length of time. I don't have a hard time with that. And uh, but I I don't I don't I'm not one of these guys that think you know in order to the measure of a man is whether or not he cries you know. Uh, if, if he doesn't cry, I preached at a church one time down in Indianapolis, and I remember I, I wouldn't, I couldn't recall the sermon I preached, but I remember one of the points in my sermon uh, was being faithful to God with your tears. I, again, I don't know how that applies to whatever it is I was preaching about. Was probably a horrible point. It was a long time ago, but anyways, I was at this church, and I remember they, uh, I got done preaching, and the pastor of the church got up and he said, he said that was all right. This is like an old hillbilly preacher, man. I mean, I got up. And the introduction that I got was second to none. I mean, I had, I had met, this, I met this guy. He asked me to come down and preach. And uh, he's like, I don't really know him that well. He could be a faggot. I don't know. I'll let him preach. <laughs> and I was just like, well, all right. You know, how in the world did I get here? You know, and I get up there and I preach this sermon and I get down to this last thing. And, and this guy gets up. He says, that was all right, except for that last point with that tear stuff. I don't get all that. And I thought to myself, you're the pastor? And Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And he looks over the the nation of Israel. And even here in our text, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Right? I'm not one of these guys that think if you're a good, tough Bible believer, that you're void of emotion, and I don't believe that. But I also believe, as some of the stuff that we alluded to that when we were preaching on Sunday, is that sometimes we have to divorce ourselves from our emotion and root and ground our reactions in the truth of the Word of God. Is that fair? Okay, we have to have a spiritual look on things, and he did. Uh, you know what? He, he, he dissected it in three different things. And it's really, really difficult. And if you look at it from surface level, you'll say, man, it's a pretty heartless response. First thing he said, it's going to be okay. Now, if you know anything about grief counseling, the last thing you tell somebody who's grieving is, hey, it's going to be okay. You want to know why? Because you have no idea whether it's going to be okay or not. It could get horribly worse. And guess what? It did, (laughs) if you didn't know. Okay? You never tell somebody, hey, it's gonna be okay. It might not be okay. It could get really, really bad. Right? But he says, he says, his sickness is not unto death. He says he's gonna be all right. You know what he says? He says, Man, you're gonna see God's hand. You know that offers offers zero amount of comfort to somebody who is overtaken with grief. I'm telling you, I've been I've been around some folks recently and in the past of some hard and horrible tragedies in their life. You know know the last thing you tell them? Well, maybe the second to last thing from, it's going to be okay. You don't say, well, hey, God's going to get some glory from this. You may say that later, but in the moment, man, that's rough, right? You say, man, Jesus is going to get some glory out of this. You can see Jesus Christ, and he, you know, what does he say? He says, he says that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. You know, I'm telling you, if you have somebody who's just lost a brother or a sister, a father, a mother, uh, a friend, you know what, it may not, listen, everything he just said was rooted and grounded in truth, right? And he's Jesus, so he knew some things that me and you don't know, right? It still stands to reason that it's true, But on the outside, someone would say, man, you have no heart. Now, we know that that's not true because look at the next verse. We know that it's rooted and grounded in love. What does he say in verse 5? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So these, these truths that he's saying, it's rooted and grounded in love. Now, although it doesn't appease the emotional side of things, it doesn't make it any less true. And so it's rooted and grounded in love, but it's also, more importantly, rooted and grounded in the truth. We know that everything that he just said there actually can be referenced back to a doctrinal statement that we can live by, right? When he said, hey, listen, this sickness is not unto death, it didn't matter if he died or not, right? You're born again. You're going to live forever, absent from the body, present with the Lord. The day that I die, I'll never be more alive than the day that I die. You understand that? There will never be a time in eternity that I will cease to exist. Do you understand that's a true doctrinal statement. There was nothing wrong with what he said. It was rooted and grounded in the truth. Uh, he said here that he's going to see uh, God's hand. Uh, wants to, uh, God to be glorified. But for the glory of God, for the glory of God, absolutely that uh, all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. That's still in the Bible. It's a hard verse, but it's still in the Bible, and it's absolutely true. And then that Jesus Christ would be glorified? You know what? Jesus Christ will not waste one thing in your life. Jesus Christ is working those things out. He doeth all things well. He never makes one mistake. Not one time. He's never made one mistake. Okay? And so His response is disciplined. And listen, I'm not saying that this is the exact tactic that you should take when somebody is grieving, but I'm telling you, in the back of your mind, as you process grief, that's maybe the re- that's maybe some of the steps you should take when you process grief, is root and ground that emotion. It's not wrong to have the emotion, but make sure it's measured by the truth. Because guess what? Everything he said was true. All this was said before they knew that Lazarus was dead. That's <laughs> faith, man. You could say, uh, you know, a lot of things about how Jesus responded to it, but you know what? One thing that we see for sure in verse number six, it says, When he heard, therefore, that, the sick, uh, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place. His response was delayed. He was in no hurry. You know, I don't know about you, but I've, I've had some pretty bad phone calls at three o'clock in the morning. I've had some pretty bad news come my way in my life. And you know what? I, it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction the moment you hear that. It's like, get in the car. We're going. Right? It's like, honey, get in the car. We have to go address this issue. We have to be present with those that are hurting. There's a family that's in trouble. There's a friend that's in trouble. Listen, someone in, in your family has gone, passed away. It's time to go. <coughs> right? And it's like there's a sense of urgency to get to where the problem is. And you know what Jesus said? I'm just going to hang back for a couple days. There was no sense of urgency. He delayed. And you want to know something? That's a hard truth for us to grasp. Because you want to know something? Sometimes in our life, this is the gist of the message tonight, is that sometimes God just delays His coming. God just delays His answer. God delays His intervention. And so the question I have for you tonight is, what do you do when God's on delay? What do you do when God says, I'm just going to hang back for a couple days in the midst of your problem? What are you going to do when God says, you know what, I know you're praying earnestly and you're trying to really get a hold of me, but I'm just going to lay back over here for a while and watch from a distance man that's hard that's real hard you think about Jairus' daughter you think about that you know this isn't uncommon for the Lord this is how the Lord works sometimes Jairus comes to the Lord and he says listen my daughter she's sick unto death will you come and heal my daughter will you come see her and he says absolutely let's go and they get to going and you know what happens? That, that group of people throngs him and they start all getting around him for the press and it's shoulder to shoulder and all of a sudden that woman makes her way through the crowd and she just kind of falls on her face and touches the hem of his garment and everything stops. And I can see Jerry is just kind of like, come on, it's just over here, Lord. Just, just over here, just over here. And, and he looks back and he's way back there and he goes, Wait, where, did, where did he go? My problem's over here. You know, my daughter, she's dying over here. You, you, were, you were just on your way with me, but now you're back over here dealing with a totally different issue that has nothing to do with me. Sometimes God delays. You know what we find out? That as God delays... Here's Jairus and he's standing there and he's twiddling his thumbs and he's trying to be patient. He doesn't want to rush the Lord, you know, but he's, he's kind of feeling a little bit antsy. And then all of a sudden his servant comes up and he says, Hey, I <clears throat> just want to let you know we just got word. Your daughter's gone. And as Jesus Christ delayed, the problem got worse. It got worse. As Jesus failed to intervene, the problem got worse. Sometimes that's the way it is, isn't it? I remember a few years ago, several years ago, it's probably about 3 o'clock in the morning, me and my wife were sleeping, and all of a sudden her phone rings. And of course, you know that at 3 o'clock in the morning when the phone rings, there's usually nothing good on the other end of that phone. Amen. And it was her mom on the other end of that phone. And she said, hey, your dad's not doing too hot, and and, and, and he's, having a, he's having a spell, he's having an issue, and we're probably going to take him to the hospital, but I'll call you back and keep you updated, you know. And, and she could tell that there was a sense of urgency in her mom's voice, and I, and I remember just having that real sick feeling in the pit of my stomach, kind of like when my dad passed away when I was 13, had that feeling. And so we started to pray. Pray. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and then the phone rang again. She says, listen, he's gotten worse. He's, he's having a seizure right now. He's having a seizure, and the, and, the, and the EMTs are on their way. He's having a seizure. I'll call you back. And we hung up the phone, and we kept praying, and we kept praying. And then the phone rang. She says he was having a seizure, and they came in, and he aspirated, and he's turned purple, and I think he's gone. And it's like the more we prayed, the worse it got, right? Sometimes isn't that how it feels? You're praying, and you're praying, and you're seeking God, and you're seeking God, and you're doing everything that you can know to do. Jairus had gone there. He had got his attention. He was following him, and guess what? It didn't get any better. Much rather, it grew worse. Jesus Christ just delayed. You know, sometimes problems are like an avalanche. That point of weakness goes and that thing cracks and that and that snow or that land or mud or whatever starts to move and it gains momentum and it just takes out whatever's in its path and sometimes you just wait it out and you wait it out and you wait it out and then the moment you think that oh has everything else fallen can I focus on rebuilding now or there's a tremor and some more starts to come and sometimes troubles they come in waves and it's like, I wonder when this is going to get over. I remember at the beginning of COVID, I was talking to a preacher and uh, he said, listen, man, he's like, this is really, really early on. Everything just started getting locked down and stuff. And, and he said, listen, in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, in, in disaster response and that kind of thing, he says, what we call this is the rollout phase. It's the rollout phase. He say, what is that? Information still rolling out. Things are still rolling out. There's still a lot we don't know, right? Things are just rolling out. And so in this phase, don't make a lot of decisions in the rollout phase because things will inevitably change. And there's a danger, folks, to us. That when we realize that we're praying and we're seeking God and we're doing everything we're supposed to do, and we feel like God's not answering, we feel like God's not intervening, God's somewhere doing something else, He's delayed His help, He's delayed His intervention, it's really, really important that we don't start making decisions in the rollout phase. We have illustrations of this in the Bible, Exodus chapter 32. Moses is up on the mountain. He's getting communion with the Lord. He's giving him the, uh, the uh, commandments of God. And the children of Israel are down there at the base of the mountain. And here's Aaron. And you know what the Bible tells you in verse number 1? It says that the people came to Aaron and they said, Moses delayed his coming down. He's delayed. And so you know what they do? They seek an alternative. They seek an alternative. You know what they do? They say, we don't need Moses anymore. Let's go to Aaron. Ladies and gentlemen, they sought an alternative authority. Sometimes, listen, when you're in the midst of trouble and you're in the midst of problems and and you're in that rollout phase and you're in that problem phase, be careful that you don't seek an alternative authority. The Bible is still true. The Bible is still right. And even though you don't understand where you're at in that thing right now, you better hold on to it because guess what? If you seek something different, you're going to find yourself in a mess of trouble. It's not the time to jump ship is in the middle of the storm. Amen? Amen? Listen, I know Christians, and you have, and you could probably see a graveyard of Christians spiritually that have said, well, I know this, but then this happened, and guess what? I'm done with God. You know, how many, you know how many people I know are sitting in contemporary churches today because they, they went to a Bible-believing church and something happened and they got their foot out of joint, their nose out of joint, and they said, oh, well, you're just too staunch in your stance to the Bible, and so guess what? We're just going to go somewhere which is just a little easier. You know what they did? They sought an alternative authority. When? In the midst of the rollout phase of their trouble. You know what they ended up doing? leveled them. They leveled them. They said, hey, Aaron, you, you, you be our, our leader now. Because after all, see, Moses, he was getting the, 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 the stuff that was etched with the finger of God. You know what Aaron was? Aaron was malleable. Aaron was uh, an authority that could, that could basically be whatever they wanted him to be. Doesn't that sound a little bit like your new Bibles? Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yeah. We don't make decisions in a rollout phase. We stay true to the word of God. They sought uh, an alternative authority. You know what else they did? They sought alternative answers. You know what they said back in, 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 and I'm not going to make you turn there. I'm just going to try to go off memory if I can. And trust me, that's not a great thing to go off of. But in Exodus, he says that we seek gods to go before us. You know what they sought? They sought alternative answers. You know what they wanted? They wanted some god to tell them what the future held. Tell us what's going on. That's all we want. We want our authority that does what we want it to do. And we want a God to tell us what's coming down the road. And if you make a decision when God is in delay, it seems like God's in delay, you'll start looking for answers in science. And you'll start looking for answers on a podcast. You'll start looking for answers in the news media. And you'll start looking for answers on, God help you, social media. Can you tell me what's happening? Can you tell me what's going on? Can you tell me the future? Some people look for it in all kinds of different ways. Listen, there's only one thing that's going to tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And you don't need to look for answers anywhere else. They sought for uh, alternative authority. They sought for alternative... Um, uh, answer, and you know what they, else they did? They sought for alternative alliances. The next thing he said, Aaron says, Okay, you want all that? Fine. Take off your earrings of gold. You know what the earring is and type of in the Bible? You, you, uh, you see that thing, a, on, uh, they said that the servant, when he, could, uh, he was at his end of his, his time, he could decide to stick around and serve his master because he's given him a family, he'd given him children, he was good to him, and you know what, he loved his master, and if he loved his master, he could choose to stay, and they'd put his ear on the, on the doorpost, and they'd throw an awl, and they'd stick an awl through his ear, and the Bible says he'd serve him forevermore. And you know what they're doing here? They take their earrings off, which is a type of alliance, and, and it's a type of servitude to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they give it to somebody else. I'm not with him anymore. He didn't take care of me well enough. He wasn't there when I needed him. And so they give it to somebody else. And they give it to some function. And they give it to some job. Or they give it to some significant other. They give it to some other church. Whatever it is. And they say, my alliance is to you now. You never make decisions in a rollout phase. If you think God's delaying and you, don't, and you don't see the answer, you don't see the light at the tunnel, don't do anything. Amen. Sit still. Just be calm. Because there's another place. There was a servant that was given rule over his master's house. You know, <coughs> and he said, hey, listen, if you just take care of my house, I'll give you meat in due time. Doesn't that sound a little bit like us? If we, if we faint not, we shall reap in due time. If we, if we faint not. And he says, I'll make you, I'll make you master over my house when I come. But he says, if my servants say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. And you know what he says he does? He says he starts to beat the men's servants and the maidens. He becomes, he just starts to condemn and to criticize all his fellow laborers points out everybody's flaws. He's just nasty to be around, just constantly picking and, and nitpicking, and his heart's so far away from what his master called. The only reason he would question his, his Lord's coming was because of his surroundings. Well, I thought he'd be back by now. Well, look at how bad it is out there. Look at the state of the country. The Lord, he's delaying his coming. Doesn't he know how much this hurts me? Doesn't he know how bad I want this? Doesn't he see the pain that I'm going through? He's delaying his coming. So you know what he does? He starts nitpicking everybody else. Why are you so happy? Nothing to be happy about. I don't know why you're being so, I don't, I don't know why you think you're so, so so good. i seen what you did and I saw what you did this and, and, you know, I did this too in my life. And, you know, I used to do that and comparing yourselves amongst yourselves and it isn't wise. And he says he starts to beat the men servants and the maidens. And then you know what else he does? The Bible says he eats and he drinks and he becomes drunken. He, become, he becomes consumed with carnal desires. I'm not just saying, oh, we start smoking, drinking, cussing, and all that different stuff. I didn't say that. Now his whole life is consumed with what he can gain in this world. See, instead of caring about God and caring about church, you know what he is now? He's just more focused on his career. How much money can I make? Don't worry, honey. I'm going to make sure that we got season tickets. I'm going to make sure that we got the nicest house, the nicest car. I'm going to make sure that everything in this world is ours. And whether God fits in there or not, whatever. Why? The Lord delayed his coming. He didn't give me what I thought. I didn't get the promotion when I thought I should have got the promotion. I didn't get the the accolades when I should have got the accolades. Pastor didn't treat me right. God didn't treat me right. Didn't answer me. And so you know what? I'll just focus on the things of this world and I'll become carnal as the day is long. It's really, really important that we don't make hard decisions when we feel like God's delayed His coming. Because wouldn't it be just nice if we gave God the benefit of the doubt that maybe God is doing something that we just don't know yet? Is it possible that maybe God is in control the whole time? Because what I'm going to try to show you, I just got four quick points here and we'll be done, that God is doing some things as He's delaying you know the first thing he does? Suppose God's delaying so that he can give you something better. Amen? You know, look in verse, uh, look in verse number 22. Starting verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. She says, hey, listen, I already know something. I know if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. You know what she's saying? I already know how in my mind it should have gone. I know how it should have happened. And then look in verse 22. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus says, "Flat out. He says, "Uh, thy brother shall rise again. And you know how she responds? She says in verse 24. I know that. He shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She totally just breezed over what he said because she in her mind already thought she was limited to the possibility of what could happen. She had already in her mind already figured out what God could do. And she had settled for it. And Jesus said unto her, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she says, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, that which should come into the world. And she settled with what she already knew. And you know what the Bible tells you in verse 26? She just went about her little way. (laughs) She just went her way. She got done telling God everything that she knew, everything she thought should have happened, everything that she thinks is going to happen, and then she walked away. And Jesus is like, if you could only see, I'm about to do something in here that is so far greater than those responses that you just gave me. Because then I ask you a question, what's better, getting healed or getting raised from the dead? (laughs) <laughs> amen <coughs> what's better well I, I can i can guarantee you this let, let me ask you this what is suppose he got healed well lazarus let's let's just suppose he got healed right let's suppose he got healed and uh, maybe he just wasn't 100 percent. maybe he just didn't die and he walks around the rest of his life you know crippled or having some kind of you know imperfection you know what they would have been they would have been happy They would have been absolutely happy that their brother didn't die. But you know what? You know what they were going to get? They were going to have to go through the pain of losing their brother. But you know what God was going to do? Something way better than just healing him and keep him from dying. You know what he was going to do? He was going to raise him from the dead and make him brand new, just as healthy as a horse, and give him a bunch more years after that to live and praise God and walk around and enjoy the fellowship of his family. You know, suppose maybe God's delaying just so that you can get something a little bit better. Amen? Amen. Look in verse number 39. The Bible says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Again, she just can't get out of her own way. (laughs) And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Suppose, just suppose, that Jesus is delaying his intervention in whatever it is in your life so that he could demonstrate his power. Suppose that maybe God just so chose you to go through a little bit of hardship, and a little bit of trial, so that he could show himself strong. And show himself great. The Bible uses the word glory. You can see his glory. What is glory? It's God's greatness. It's God's power. It's his magnificence. His awesomeness. His splendor. The thing that you should stand back and stand in awe of. It's his glory. Moses got to a point where he wanted to see God's glory. Don't you know where he was when he saw it? He had petitioned the Lord to see his glory at the point where he said, I don't want to go on any further. I'm done. I beseech you, Lord, show me thy glory. He was in such bad shape, God had to put him in the cleft of the rock and hold him by his hand. And he says, I'm going to pass by. And you'll get to see my hinder parts and you'll see the glory of God pass before you. You say, where do you see God's power? In the moment you don't think you can go any further. When things are so bad, you say, God hasn't intervened. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? You know why God delays it sometimes? He waits until all other possibilities of deliverance are exhausted to show you that the only deliverance that can come is through Him. So when you stand back and you see the sun uh, start to rise over the the, the midst of that storm and you see the the storm clouds start to blow away, you can say, God did that. There's no way anything else could have happened. That was God that did that. That's why he delays his coming. And you realize he wasn't delayed at all. (laughs) He was just showing you how powerful he was. When everyone else told you it was impossible You know what he did? He did it anyway. Because why? Because he can. Which leads me into the next one here in verse number 15. He makes an interesting statement. He says, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. (laughs) To the intent that ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. I'm glad I wasn't there. Could you imagine, Lord, if you were here, there's no way he would have died because no one ever died in the presence of Jesus. And he says, Yeah, you're right. And you know what, for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Could you imagine standing at a funeral with a bunch of grieving people? Saying, Yeah, I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. Why? What if, what if God's delaying is coming just to make your faith in him just a little bit stronger? <coughs> when he said here the purpose, he was glad that he wasn't there was to the intent that she may believe. You know what, folks? We need to see God's hand in our life. We need to see God move in our life. It's very, very important that we see the Lord working things out and doing things. You think about Elisha as he's following Elijah and he's got those, those, those uh, children, uh, uh, of the, the fathers of children are, are following them around. He's saying, don't you know the Lord's going to take your master's head away from you today? I don't know why you're following him. You know he's going to be gone and you're going to be left by yourself. Why are you following him? He says, yeah, just hold your peace. Be quiet. And he goes from here and he goes to the next spot and they go, don't you know? The Lord's gonna take him away from you. Gonna leave you high and dry. Why are you following him? He says, hold your peace, man. I know what I'm doing. And after all of that, after all of the, the constant just belittling and the constant, you know what? We need to, we need to feel the doubt that comes with God's delay it's good for you to feel it you know what we need to endure the mockings of others I don't know why you still go to church an old-fashioned place oh what do you believe oh you you're one of them bible thumpers why in the world you get up with the times man don't you know I mean there's there's all kinds of proof where you're just crazy I listened to a thing today, and they said, Oh, you know what the real church, the, you know what they realize is there's this book that basically said that the whole his, the historic content of, of Christianity was based on hallucinogenic mushrooms. That's your, that's your lineage, folks. Did you know that? You know what they say that Christianity was born out of? They say that it was a bunch of people. They would congregate as, in churches, and uh, they would eat these mushrooms, and that's where they saw God, and that's how they wrote the Bible. Now, the funny thing is, is you're laughing. And you want to know something? There's a bunch of people in the world today that think that's exactly how you came to be. And you know what? It's good for you that they think that. It's good for you. You need to experience the silence and the doubt and the mockings and go, Lord... I believe what you said, and I'm just going to keep holding on. I'm just going to keep holding on. I'm just going to keep holding on. The, the hour's getting late. It's getting darker. Things are getting colder. I can see the waves start rumbling now. I can hear the thunder and lightning crashing. Lord, I know this is the right thing to do. I'm just going to stick with the stuff because guess what? Nothing is made stronger with the absence of pain. Nothing. If you're going to become stronger. You're going to endure pain. Period. And guess what? That's exactly what it was here. They stood by the graveside and he says, I'm glad I wasn't here. Because you want to know something? There's some things in your life, folks, you just have to endure. You just have to endure it. We're at that funeral the other day. Young man, 18 years old. We put him to rest. You want to know something? There's nothing you can do to make any one of them people feel better. It's impossible. There's nothing you can say there's no, amount of, there's no amount of nothing. That, there's no experience. There's no, oh, you've been in the ministry for 100 years. It doesn't matter. You can't say nothing and take the pain away. You know what they have to do? They just have to endure it. That's all they can do. And there's some things, and guess what? And, and you sitting back here, you can you're, you're, you, you feel the, the kind of pain because you wish you could do something, but you can't. And so you have to endure the pain of realizing there's nothing you can do to help them either. All you can do is Pray. You know what that does? It increases your faith. It exercises you. It causes pain. And the Lord says, I like that. And you know what happens? The Lord comes in and he delivers and he comes in. And then you see God's hand and you say, I knew it. I knew he could. I knew he would. They said I was crazy, but man, they're crazy. And then you find you come up to the next precipice of problems and you look back and you say, he did it before he's going to do it again. And your faith begins to get... Increased. And finally, look in verse number 32. Mary, she comes to Jesus. You know what she does? She falls. As was uh, her accustomed to do. She fell down at his feet. You know... These things happen to show us that we're not as much in control of our lives as we'd like to think we are. Somebody I truly care about is going through a very, very hard time here recently. And I was sitting there next to them and they're crying tears and they looked at me and they said, I just feel like I've lost control of my life with this news that I've got. And I said, well... You would be right if about four or five days ago, if you really had control of your life to begin with. But the truth of the matter is, is you have the same amount of control today as you did five days ago. Right? Listen, folks. Sometimes we have it so good that we think that we have some kind of ability That we have some kind of power to direct and to control the outcome of our lives. David, the man after God's own heart, greatest king Israel ever had, said, there's just but one step between me and death. Just one step. Listen, the same is with you and I. Let me tell you something. You're one phone call away from your life changing. You're one accident away from your life never being the same again. Okay? You're just one phone call away. You're one bad decision away from being bankrupt. You know what's really important for us to realize The Bible tells you you can't add one cubit to your stature. You can't make sure your heart beats in your chest. You don't control the fact that you have air and oxygen in your lungs. You have no control over the fact that you have faculties in your brain tonight and you can still think and reason. You have no control over your life tonight. Whatever comforts and whatever things you enjoy tonight, it's because God allowed it to happen. And whatever problems you have and pains and heartaches you have tonight, guess what? It's because God allowed it to happen. You have no control. So what if God delays just for the fact that He just wants you to get a little lower? Lord, I just... Maybe I was a little bit higher on the hog than I thought I was. Maybe I took for granted. I just thought if I worked harder and if I, you know, did this and made sure that this was in line and this was in line. And, man, we're Americans. We're good at checklists to make sure we get the outcome we want. And God says, no, I'm in control. And guess what? Sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to work out. And guess what? It's just to remind you, you didn't have control in the first place. You know what that makes you do? That makes you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and realize, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. God, without you, I can't breathe. Without you, there's no walking, Lord. Without you, I can't speak. Without you, I can't think. God, you allow that. God, without without you, I don't have any money in the bank. We get all worked up about prepping and what's happening in the country, what's happening in the world, as if they can control what goes on. They can't either. And so, folks, sometimes the Lord, you know what He does? He just hangs back for a couple days. He just hangs back for a couple days and says, Hey, you know what? It's best that I just stay away for a while because, you know what? He's doing a work in us, and it's not for us to abandon and to start to act out and to start seeking alternatives. You know what is us to do? is to just sit still, know that He is God, and allow God to have His perfect work in us so that when the storm clears, because guess what? The storm's clear. And then we can come out on the other side and say, God was just trying to make me a little bit better. God was just trying to show me His power. God was just trying to make my faith a little stronger. God was just trying to keep me lower. So I didn't think of myself too highly than I ought to think. Ladies and gentlemen here tonight, that is a blessing to know. God is in control of that stuff. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be in church tonight. We thank you for the comfort of the scriptures. We thank you for the truth that we have in our hands. Lord, we know that you allow everything in our life. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd be with each and every one here tonight, especially as we take prayer requests. May we have these, these thoughts in mind, Lord, as we think about the heartaches, Lord, and not to belittle the heartaches and the issues that come up, Lord, in prayer time. But, Father, realize that you are ultimately in control of those things and help us to do our part, Lord. We know that prayer works. God, we know, Father, that uh, uh, nothing is uh, predestinated and set in stone, Father, but rather we do have free will and we have the ability to make decisions And I pray you'd help us to make those decisions in a spiritual uh, manner. And I pray that you'd be with each and every prayer request that is brought out tonight. I pray you bless all that came out and bless the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's take some prayer requests and then we'll, we'll have one person pray for us and we will dismiss.